We, uh, we live in a world where tons of people lie. They lie all the time. That makes the truth rare, and rare things are valuable. There's a book I like, I've mentioned it before, called Wonderworks by Angus Fletcher, and he talks about how various inventions or tools in literature affect us psychologically, emotionally. Chapter two of Wonderworks is called Rekindle the Romance, Sappho's Lyrics, the Odes of Eastern Zal, and the, uh, the invention of the secret discloser. So Angus Fletcher talks about the invention in literature of the poetic voice of I. You know, this invention, it involved two things. Uh, number one, self-disclosure. You share details about you, particularly hidden things about you, stuff you, you know, wouldn't ordinarily confess, things that you, you know, that make you feel awkward, goofy, embarrassed, you know, treasured memories, private hopes, fears, mistakes. You reveal that, and then two, you combine that self-disclosure with wonder, with a feeling of awe or specialness. You make it poetic. You don't just tell someone you have a crush on them. You tell them that your love is like the moon or whatever. You know, without that poetic element, self-disclosure can end up being less enticing and more off-putting. You know, it can us with these unwanted personal details about the person that makes us uncomfortable. Like, this is weird. Where's this coming from? Why are you sharing this with me? Right? If someone tells you something overly personal and you don't feel close to them, you might get anxious. You know, epinephrine fires up inside you. You feel like running away. I got to get out of here. This is too intimate. <laughs> I don't want to be in this situation. However, if along with your anxiety-inducing self-disclosure to whatever person or audience, you can mix in some poetic language that primes the dopamine circuits of the person you're confessing to, now you've sweetened up that anxious state. All of a sudden, they're associating those anxious butterflies with something that's kind of nice, you know, even pleasant. And if it's pleasant enough, then the person being wooed by this self-disclosing poetry might even self-disclose back. They might admit that they have feelings that they were hiding. They might become comfortable enough to be vulnerable and even share something back with you, the illustrious poet. Now the two of you are feeling even closer together. Your dopamine kicks up a little higher. Now it's not just one person dumping their feelings on you, you get to dump your feelings back. So intimate secrets can feel like powerful sources of, you know, love vibes, right? And maybe it's not love, you know, maybe it's more infatuation, and maybe it's, you know, it's ultimately egotistical. We just like the, the self-gratifying hit of being able to self-disclose. You know, I like myself, I feel better about myself, when I'm, you know, with you, that sort of codependency thing. Um, why am I talking about how romantic poetry functions in relation to comedy and lying? How is all of this related? You know, much of comedy these days functions in a similar way. Comics, we go up on stage and we share thoughts that aren't exactly normal. You know, and I, actually, they may be perfectly normal thoughts, 
but they aren't thoughts you would normally express in public, right? They're not typically outside thoughts. They're more inside, under the cover of night, a few beers deep, maybe some drugs floating around kind of thoughts. You know, that's usually what you're talking about at comedy shows. So can self-disclosure be intimate when the secrets are being shouted into a microphone to a crowd instead of whispered into the ear of a potential lover? Gross. <laughs> so yeah, the, the comic, you know, you, you self-disclose and then instead of poetry, you encapsulate the disclosure in a joke. And the joke, if it works, you know, makes the audience laugh. That excites dopamine, you build tension in the room, and then you pop the bubble, right? Epinephrine, dopamine, epinephrine, dopamine. You know, you're giving your thoughts, the audience is self-disclosing back in a way when they laugh, right? It's a, it's a spontaneous self-disclosure. It's not articulated, but they won't laugh if what you're saying isn't resonating with them emotionally. You know, it is a form of reciprocation, you know, telling a joke, getting a laugh back. But how do you move beyond infatuation? You know, is there, is there a deeper place you can go with the art form of stand-up? Because romantic poetry doesn't tell the whole story of love, right? That's not love, it's infatuation, romance. You know, it inspires wonder and awe, these big feelings. But those big feelings don't reflect everyday reality. You know, they don't reflect real love. You know, the mundane, dutiful aspects of love, the simpler side of it, that doesn't show up in, you know, romantic poetry. At least not typical romantic poetry. You know, maybe there's, I, I'm not, I don't read enough romantic poetry. I'm sure there's some poems out there that aren't just fluffy, you know, things that, you know, teenagers read. I'm sure there's stuff out there that's not overly silly stuff that's written by teenagers. But the point is, to me, the best art, I think, has to reflect reality. It has to capture as much as it can. It shouldn't leave things out. It's always, it's always a distortion of reality, but even when you're distorting it, if you're careful, you can still reflect back something authentic. You can still tell the truth through the distorted lens. That's the thing. The essential thing is to not lie. You don't want to write poetry that sounds beautiful, but isn't true. You know, that's kind of worthless because it's misleading. You hear people talk about how Disney movies mess them up as kids, you know, like distorted our ideas of how life works with these fairy tales. Um, side note, Angus Fletcher, Wonderworks, actually talks about uh, the fairy tale twist as a literary invention in chapter seven uh, of his book. So if you want to, you can check that out. You know, fairy tales, uh, like Disney stuff, it can induce positive feelings, but that needs to be balanced out. You know, life isn't all roses and butterflies. I have a, uh, a Google Doc full of comedy advice to myself that I read from time to time. And one of the notes uh, that's very prominent in that document is uh, tell the truth, do not lie with your art. Um, I watched this documentary about Patrice O'Neill, a very funny comedian. Hilarious man, very committed to being exactly who he was on stage. Uh, the documentary is called Killing is Easy, and he says something along the lines of, once you understand comedy, killing is easy. But can you do it without lying? That's a much higher bar. You're not just doing a party trick at that point. You have to also say something real. 
the self-disclosure has to be authentic. You know, what's the emotional truth in the joke you're telling? Are you willing to share that or are you just hiding behind a bunch of words arranged in the right order and said with the appropriate, well-timed inflection? You can pull laughs out of the audience with the party trick once you know the mechanics, but there's a place you can go beyond that, you know, as an artist, if you're willing to. And to me, that's ultimately more respectful of the audience, you know, to be your real self. It takes more confidence. You're going to fail more. You know, some people are not going to like you at all. <laughs> they might even hate your freaking guts. But it's more useful for everyone. You know, it's, it's more valuable for everyone involved. It's going to result in art that more accurately reflects reality uh, instead of a heightened, candied over, glossy version of it. Uh, which, you know, maybe can make someone feel good for a short period of time, but it's not that useful long term. You know, you know, if you're making art the right way, it's not going to be a lie. It's not going to be a lie. I heard a funny saying once, if they crucified Jesus Christ, there's going to be some people who don't like you. Whether you're religious or not, that's kind of hilarious. You know? Yeah, if people didn't like the literary archetype of perfection that was the biblical Jesus yeah, some people aren't going to appreciate the authentic you, whatever dumb crap you decide to do with your life. So just, you know, just accept that. Tell tell the truth. Tell your truth. Let people who like you like you and haters going to hate. You know, that's all perfectly fine. It's, it's actually good. It's healthy. Well, that's it. You've reached the end of the episode. Welcome to the podcast outro. An outro is the opposite of an intro. Kind of like an innie versus an outie when it comes to belly buttons. Comedy Obsessed, a podcast featuring Mike Frank of anothermillennial.com. If you haven't figured it out, this is a podcast about stand-up comedy. I'm a stand-up comic. I don't think stand-up is well understood by that many people. Comedy nerds like me, you know, we respect it as an art form. Lots of other people have a rather low opinion of it. I understand why. You know, there's lots of rough, bad, gross, disappointing comedy out there. I've made plenty of it. But I also don't think that that low opinion of the art of comedy is justifiable. I think stand-up is a beautiful, challenging, rewarding, complex art form that deserves as much respect as any other performing art. It's incredibly impressive when someone is able to write and perform stand-up that is wildly funny and even simultaneously insightful. I'm not saying that happens all the time or even the majority of the time, but when it does happen, I think it's incredible. So this is a podcast where I discuss my own struggles with trying to do that incredible thing. I'm going to talk about my experience, what I've learned over the years writing and performing stand-up, things I've picked up on to try to do it better, nuances to the art form you can't fully appreciate until you've actually experienced them in some capacity, 
but I'm still, probably futilely, going to try to relate those lessons to others interested in stand-up, whether you've done it or not. I'm a bit of a nerd. I've got a background in philosophy from when I was in college. I also maintain a deep interest in psychology and neuroscience. I poke around in economics, history, and literature. There's a list of book recommendations on my website that you can check out if you're interested in any of those things. Weirdly enough, I find ways for these subjects to inform my understanding of stand-up. Hopefully, you find the discussion of these ideas to be as satisfying to your own curiosity as I have to mine. I should also mention that I'm a dentist. That's my day job. I have a YouTube channel where I'm trying to teach people how to take care of their teeth and improve their oral health. Oral health, that's mouth health. I want to help you with your mouth health because I think that our healthcare system is failing and I don't think that trends within the industry are heading in a good direction. I don't think I can really reverse those trends with anything I do working as a dentist. And you might be thinking, how are YouTube videos supposed to help people improve their dental health? Preventative medicine. It's the most powerful weapon we've got to reverse the healthcare crisis in America. I truly believe that. I'm trying to make a positive contribution to that struggle. So, you can find me on YouTube. My channel is Another Lazy Millennial. It's all one word when you search it. Google will ask you if you meant Another Lazy Millennial as three separate words, and you can defiantly state to Google, no, I meant it as one word because I want to find Mike Frank's YouTube channel. Thank you very much. That's what you should tell Google. Uh, there's dental stuff there. There's stand-up stuff there. I'm a weirdo, but I've decided I'm finally committed to being me instead of hiding what I'm really like. So, congratulations. This is me, y'all. My website is anotherlazymillennial.com. If you give me your email address on that website, I'll be sure to keep you up to date about future comedy tours and projects I hope to create. You can find me on Instagram at Comedic Exposure. That's C-O-M-E-D-I-C-E-X-P-O-S-U-R-E. Comedic Exposure. I take photos of comics there. I'll be posting stand-up clips there. I'll also likely be posting clips out of this podcast there. I'm on TikTok at Mike underscore the underscore dentist, as well as a separate TikTok account where I'll be posting stand-up clips at Mike Frank Comedy. That's M-I-K-E-F-R-A-N-K-E comedy. All right. Thanks for listening. Honestly, really appreciate it. If you've listened, listened to this whole spiel, please share with anyone who you think would like any of this stuff I'm doing. Ask me questions on YouTube and TikTok. I'll do my best to be responsive and helpful. So yeah, that's about it. Go ahead and get outside, go on a walk, get some exercise, get some sleep, hug somebody you care about, read a book, do something challenging and worthwhile. Have a lovely day.